You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Through the Smoke podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins, joined as always by David Lake. Special guest on the other side today, Barton Simmons from 24-7 Sports. Also, are you a CBS Sports personality as well? Like, what do we classify you as? Yeah, I don't know what I am. CBS HQ, you know, I'm part part of the CBS HQ team. Um, Yeah. And you're uh, uh, involved in the rankings process. You have have your own podcast, the Cover 3 podcast. You you do a lot of different things. And the Barton and Bud pod. Don't forget the (laughs) 24-7 iteration of of Barton. Barton and Bud. Um, So we wanted to get you on, Barton, just because, you know, you do uh, put out so many different, you know, things, previews, uh, analysis, roster analysis. And uh, Miami were one week away from their season opener on Thursday night, they're going to play face UAB in year two of the Manny Diaz era. Um, Miami's made a ton of off-season changes. You know, Ed Reed's now in the building. Derek King's the quarterback, new offensive coordinator, Rhett Lashley, I guess. Just from an outsider's perspective, a, a national guy, just what is your kind of thoughts on Miami heading into 2020? Uh, man, um... Miami. I mean, I think, first of all, Rhett Lashley, like, that's huge to me. Um, and I'm not saying it's huge in terms of, like, Rhett Lashley is going to be a smashing success. I'm saying, like, it's huge. Like, w- like what will Rhett Lashley bring? And I think to this point, it's even a little bit um, unclear, like, is that is that a great hire? Is that a pretty good hire? Is that a, well, I mean, he coached under Gus Malzahn once upon a time. Like, is like, what, what is it? I, I, I think this will be the first time we really know what Red Lashley is as, as an offensive coordinator, because this is the first time, you know, he was under Sonny Dykes. He was under Gus Malzahn. He was at UConn. Like at this is, this is the year where he gets to just sort of in like prove to us what, what he is like. And, uh, and so I think that that's, conclusion like the answer to that question is is huge um you know I think Miami's going to be really good on defense again I think that they look really talented on defense I think that they I, I look at their roster and that's this is sort of the time of year when I've 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 got I watch enough football on Saturdays like I watch all day I watch every game I can and um and and I've seen these guys as as high school players so I feel like I have a pretty good grasp of rosters at least in the power five and I sit there and I look at Miami's roster, and I see good players. And so, like, that's that's the key point. Like, they have good players on defense. Manny Diaz will coach them up. Like, they, I'm not worried about that. Um, the, the, the other side of the ball, obviously, is the question. And that's I'm not saying anything super insightful there. But I just don't – I don't understand why it's so hard. Like, why is, this, why is <laughs> offense so hard in Miami? Like, I, I'm, I'm just – I'm trying to – like, I, I can't figure it out. Like, they've got – They've got good players there, and Derek, So, and then now Derek King comes, and um, we'll see what he can he can accomplish. Um, e- even that is sort of depends on what's 
which angle you want to take there. Are you getting 2018 Derek King? Are you getting 2019 four-game Derek King? So, um, man, I mean, just a, a fascinating team. Uh, I'm ready for them to be good. I think they got a chance to be good, but I'm, I'm not – I have no certainty about that whatsoever. Yeah, it seems like and, – and I agree with this to some extent, right? Like, I think Miami is one of the interesting teams going into this year because the – like what could happen is a, is a wide range, right? right? Like it could be a five win team. It could be like, if all the pieces go right, it could be a nine or 10 win team and they could be in the mix for some things maybe. Um, you know, listening to you on, on other podcasts and other, other forums, it seems like you might be a little lukewarm, which I think you've hinted at in, the, in this opener. Is it, if, if you were to like to pinpoint the biggest thing that you're maybe lukewarm on? Would it be like, and I think this is fair, like the way last year ended, I think has to make everyone question Manny Diaz as a head coach. Uh, you know, did he lose the team last year? I think that's fair to ask. On the flip side, it's his first year as a head coach. Did he learn on the job? Can he improve in year two? You know, we expect players to improve in year two. Can coaches do that? Would it be Derek King? Because like you said, 2018, Derek King looked different than 2019. Would it be Rhett Lashley? Or, you know, you could even say the O-line. O-line yeah. was a disaster last year. Uh, what would you say is like, if you had to pick just one, the number one thing where it's like, this is why I'm most lukewarm on Miami going into this year. <laughs> I, well, and you 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 skipped uh, you skipped the point of them playing in half filled stadiums all season long, and and my skepticism on Miami being able to consistently bring a high energy level with a half filled stadium because uh, they are I, I know because I'm I'm I, I regularly fade Miami after the showcase uh, outing, and I regularly sure. hit on those picks, so that's part of it too. So. I think to, to like to answer your question, like the, the reality is it's it's sort of a none of it is like I'm I am I'm lukewarm about this, I'm lukewarm about this. It's more about like a collection of things. Like I, I I'm not ready to dive in yet. I think the, the biggest thing for me is Derek King comes in and I think there's such a um there's such a, a, a an inclination to be like, well, there's our quarterback answer. And check that box quarterback done now we've got a quarterback all right let's roll and 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 problem solved and i think that, that may be where i would push back and not that that can, it, he might very well be the answer like i'm absolutely not dismissing that at all i just have questions about it like i just think i just think that assumption is is probably not you know not quite a reasonable, well, not, not, I wouldn't say a, not a reasonable assumption, but I wouldn't make that assumption yet fully. Um, and so I think that that's part of it is just, all right, like, let's see what Derek King is. Like, let's see what happens here. New offense, um, stepping in. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm, if, if that dude is, is legit, then yes, like, let's, let's unleash all of the hype um, because that might be all it takes. Um, but I just think we got to wait and see if he's legit. And and I think that's a fair like I think that's a fair wait and see approach with him, given you know given what we've seen for like there's a lot, a lot of quarterbacks that have good years, and then sort of recede and just they are what they are. The the other point I would make though is um, like one of the reasons I thought the Manny Diaz hire in the first place uh, 
was a good hire was because I, this is, this is, this is like my theory on coaches in part is like, I think a good coach is, is in modern college football, given all the challenges and all the ways the game has evolved. I think a good head coach is above all else intelligence, like a smart human being that can adapt, can evolve, uh, can see big picture, uh, can, and so, I, I mean, I don't and know. Many de- yeah. Like I think that. he is. Right. He is. And so, yeah. so that he didn't come out of the gates um, with guns a blazing, like, yes, like that's not, that's not ideal. But I think if, if we, if, if he is what we thought he was at the front end, like you're saying, like, if he is that, then why, why could, why would we dismiss the idea that he's going to continue to get better and fix this thing? And, and, and every year is going to be a, a better version of the previous. So, I am not. I, I'm not. I am not sort of skeptical on Manny Diaz yet, uh, and so I think that was, that's probably the area where I would sort of, for like the the give and the take. Um, so I'm anxious to see what what the second iteration looks like, um, and and I think it's it can be really good. But I think a lot of it again, uh, as you all, I mean, you guys know better than I do. I mean, it's it's about the offense. Like, let's see what that offense looks like. If I was gonna so. Let me counterpoint on the De'Eric King thing um, from 2019, right? And if this is totally wacky, just say, David, you're you're being way too wacky and homer on this. If I was going to say, okay, I honestly think he's going to be better. Like, I think he'll be closer to 2018 De'Eric King than 2019 because of the offense, right? It's kind of a closer to to the Kendall Kendall Bryle style of offense. But let's just say he is 2019 De'Eric King would that still not be good enough to win when you combine it with, let's say a top 25 defense, because, okay, look, his, his completion percentage in 2019, bad, 52% about, but his raw production was still there. When you combine the passing and the running, it was still about a thousand yards. So 250 yards a game, still 12 touchdowns he amassed. And, one thing he, he has shown, he does protect the football. He doesn't turn the football over. So let's say worst case scenario, it is that deer at King. What, what would that be? Well, that, I mean, that, then, then, yeah, then we're in a better place than we were last year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. absolutely. Like I'm not, and I, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want it to seem as if like, I don't think the deer King's an improvement. Like he is. I just, I think it, then, then you're getting into the question of, well, what is the expectation? Like, what are we hoping for out of this Miami team? And so, yeah, like if if Derek King is just just if Derek King is twenty nineteen Derek King, then yes, Miami is still a better team offensively than they were last year. I think that that's that that's true, and yeah. and that's um, that's of note and significant, and meaningful, and and they're they're gonna I think they're gonna be an improved team regardless. Um, but it it's still like I think Miami is still one of these teams that like our our expectations of them can and should be. Yeah. High, like really high. And so, um, and so I guess when I, when I sort of evaluate Miami, I, I evaluate them against the bar of, all right, can they compete to win an ACC championship or, or, or at least not a division championship this year, but can they be in the ACC championship game? Um, I, I don't see any reason why Miami doesn't have the roster to be in the ACC championship game, even this year. And, and I guess that's where I say, like, it depends on, it depends on Rhett Lashley, depends on Derek King. You've touched on Rhett Lashley, right? Just, not not talking about Rhett because I think we'll see we'll see what he's got this year in terms of really running his own offense. But in general, big picture, 
how intrigued are you that Miami's finally running like a modern spread offense? Yeah, it's it's one of the most absurd storylines <laughs> in college football. Miami in the 305 is is yeah. has been running like this antiquated offenses for I mean, how long? And so I mean, what are we doing, guys? Like let's just let's just stop overthinking this thing and 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 so I think that that should be, I think, uh, I mean, they, they need to simp like they need to just simplify things and they need to just get like, I mean, at the risk of sounding cliche, just get your playmakers the ball in space, just throw it out yeah. to them, just let them go, let, let them go run around. And, and so uh, I, I think that Rhett Lashley is, is probably smart enough to do that. And I think this offense is, is capable of, of sort of achieving that, but it's been ridiculous. Um, I mean, what, what are like, even this this past year, when um, or the last couple of years, when Graham Harrell goes to USC and they they bring sort of the air raid to USC, and I mean, look, I mean, look, I mean, USC has these all these receivers every year, and now they're throwing around. And they got a Heisman contender at quarterback and Keaton Slovis, and they're, I mean, and I mean, USC was probably an easier fix offensively, but it's still like that's the I, I don't know why you're, if you're in LA, if I mean, you can do whatever you want. If you're in LA, you can probably do whatever you want. If you're in the heart of Texas, or but I mean, if you were in South Florida, like why? Why the hell? Why? Why not? And so, um, yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, and and I've been I've been preaching about that on like my other podcasts for forever. And so, uh, in fact, I had one Miami person get in our like uh, our mentions or our um, uh-uh. our our iTunes reviews. No, no, it was fine. He was like just it was like laughing. He was like. All this time, you know, you're calling for spread at uh, Miami, and then you're throwing cold water on it by, by you know, tap, tapping the brakes on Derek King. Um, but no, <laughs> I, I think that this is. I think that this is. We're finally in the right place. We finally had the foundation built. Smart guy Manny Diaz took a year to figure it out, but he figured it out quick. And uh, I, I think what, whatever happens this year seems like that builds a pretty good foundation for what's to come. You got to get another quarterback after that, though, I guess. Or I guess my question for you, and I'm surprised you haven't even brought him up yet, Jalen Phillips, the transfer out of UCLA, you seem to be a, a, a huge believer in him, but Miami has relied so much on these transfers as of late. Derek King, obviously, was at Houston. They're going to start an offensive lineman from Houston as well. Uh, you got Quincy Roche, the defensive end from Temple. Is it like Roche? He's... I've been saying Roche all preseason. It's Roche. Oh, oh man. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Good. No, no. <laughs> got got that fixed. Yeah. Um, just like, what do you like? Do you th- what do you think of this model? And do you think is this, is this like the direction of college football? Was Manny ahead of the curve here? Yeah, I think so. But I mean, it's uh, I, well, I mean, we'll see. I think that, I think it's a supplemental, uh, sort of um mentality and 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 structure that that you have to i mean i i still think you're not going to see alabama and clemson yeah. and ohio state just mining the transfer portal every year i don't think you will and so i think if you're in, in a healthy place long term and i could be wrong on that maybe they do but i think if you're in a really healthy place as a program then it's more of a you know one off sort of operation um Miami has been in a place where they've they've needed a little bit more than a one-off um injection of talent and so that I mean that's I think is great 
a great approach. I think that they've, they have been ahead of the curve in terms of um, leaning into it. And then, so I'm, I'm just interested in what the next step is like, all right, all right. I mean, cause eventually they're going to need to just be able to bring in top 10 classes regularly. And so, um, you know, and so I think that that's gotta be the next, the next step here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think Jalen, Jalen Phillips to me is, is also one of the most intriguing storylines of the country because he was, he was a certified dude as a true freshman at UCLA. And then I was, I was, I was concerned. Uh, we had him ranked high. I liked him. I believed in him. I was concerned because he got off, you know, he got some injuries. It, it's, you know, I, I can't remember whether he officially retired from football or whether those he are did, just reports or what. Yeah. So he like, retired from football. So that's a, that's a miss. Like we missed, he didn't, he's, he didn't finish his career. And now he's back and, and posting shirtless pics of himself in the weight room. <laughs> and all right, I'm feeling good again. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see what he does this year. Um, and uh, I mean, how incredible, I mean, you know, Miami lose the first round pick a defensive end. And uh, I don't know what Roche and Phillips are going to be, but they'll both be NFL guys if they, if they want to, and they stay healthy. Yeah. And I've, I've done radio hits and I'm like, I don't really think them losing Russo hurts that bad. And obviously someone could get hurt or whatnot, but the defensive line seems like it will be the strength. Uh, Jalen Knighton. Uh, I know you've highlighted him on one of your podcasts and I'm sure you know, that's just kind of you you talking with us. But yeah, him, he's potentially going to have an impact early on. Just what did you think of him coming out of high school? And is it surprising that, you know, he could get some some touches here as the season progresses? Yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, we had him as our, my, my true freshman All-American team. And again, that's 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 based on the, the buzz I'm getting from you guys. And um, I, I think he was such a. I tell you what, like when we were at the opening finals, I don't know if you remember Ivan's like he, like I thought he was a guy that flashed in that cotton mouth stuff. And just in the, in the movements that, that he, you know, the, the suddenness, the twitch, he was a guy amongst all stars. Like I, I, I was, cause at that point, for whatever reason, I feel like we were sort of, um, he had slid in the rankings a little bit. Yeah. And so I didn't know, I didn't know what to expect necessarily. And, and so I, he rolled in there and was was legit. And so, uh, I, I think for him to have caught on as quickly as he has, I mean, usually with those guys at the running back position, especially if there's carries to go around, they're going to, we're going to know pretty quick whether those guys have got it or not. And so that he's flashing this early, I think is really encouraging. And, uh, sounds like Don Chaney's having a pretty good camp as well. Um, so I, I just think that, um, those guys again, and, and, and Jalen Knighton's got that versatility. Um, he can catch the ball. He's he's can play in space. He's not, you know, he's a he's he's a diverse guy out of the backfield. So I just think, again, when we're looking for pieces, um, this is because uh, ultimately, right? We we have to look at twenty nineteen or twenty twenty as this is a this is going to be just like a stupid year. This is just going to be a yeah. ridiculous season. Whatever happens this season, great. I mean, let's let's yeah. let's play for it. Let's try to win it, but. This is an incredible opportunity to be a building block season for a lot of teams. And this, and particularly the way Miami's recruiting, the defense isn't going anywhere. And so this, I think it's huge to, to, for this to be a building block season for, for guys like that at the running back position, where you, if you can get a couple of these guys you can rely on for a few years, um, that's, uh, I think that that's pretty significant. You touched on uh, Jalen Phillips as, as a guy who, you know, was highly rated as a recruit. 
things haven't really worked out in college yet, but things are trending towards having an opportunity this year. Miami has other guys that kind of fit that mold too. And I want to get your, so I'll, I'll give you a I'm list a, I'm of gonna, guys. I'm going to turn it back to you. You're going to tell me how they're doing. Cause I'm anxious to, I'm, I'm anxious to hear how these guys are looking so far. Well, I want to, I want to get your opinion on just who you're intrigued by of, of these guys. I named. Okay. Right? Yeah. So yeah. Bubba Bolden, mm-hmm. uh, Mark Pope, mm-hmm. Jeremiah Payton, Mm-hmm. And Nesta Nesta Silvera. Okay. So which which one of those guys are you like, man? I really want to see this guy come on this year. Well, so, yeah. So uh, again, I think that those are all those are really interesting names, and they're all guys that I just want to like. I just want to flip the mic back over to you guys and just tell me what's going on with them. So I think the first one that jumps out is Mark Pope, because I think oh, like God. Mark Mark Pope coming out had some. Uh, he had some like there was a little Jerry Judy in him to me like he in the sense of just like really like like just knows route how to runner. get open like yeah. just a great route runner like every every event he goes to you just sort of he catches your attention and is he was he some sort of freak athlete no was he some sort of specimen physically no but he but man like that dude was just so such a good wide receiver and I haven't heard a peep out of him from down there so before I I move on to my next one. Give, give, give me the give me well, the rundown on how we're doing with Mark Pope. I am the Mark Pope truther of this podcast. <laughs> I am his number one fan on the Through the Spoke message board. So, you know, frankly, none of the receivers are necessarily generating a ton of buzz this mm-hmm. camp. We're kind of hearing it's going to be like a by committee type situation where they're just going to spread the ball around. Uh, but he is going to be a starter you know, and uh, Rob Likens, the wide receivers coach said, he did say that he is as talented as any receiver he's ever coached. And he's coached coached some good receivers. Brandon (laughs) Ayuk and Nikhil Harry. So, you know, I mean, the hype is there from even the coaches on the record. They're throwing it out there. So. And what are we at? Where is this his junior year for Mark Pope? Junior year. And he hasn't done anything. I mean, no, no, no. what, the issue what, has been learning the offense, basically. Yeah. So this new offense is simplified, and they're hoping it can unlock the potential of guys like Pope, right? Yeah. No. Go well, ahead. I was going to say, you know, he did catch a Hail Mary in the Virginia Tech yeah. game. That, that might be his most <laughs> notable play. And he's not like a jump ball guy, so it's like, what was he doing right. down there? Right. Well, this this hopefully – look, if if – if Rhett Lashley can um, activate Mark Pope, then that that I feel like that'll be a good sign, and that's what that's ultimately what what this offense should accomplish. It should be able to activate guys like that. Um, all right, so I'll move on to the the other one that is most intriguing of that list, which is Bubba Bolden. Yeah. Um, and again, so he's he 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 played a couple games last year, right? And yeah, hurt. He got he, hurt. He had right. a season ending. It was kind of a gruesome leg injury okay he's back now he looks normal he's gonna start it seems and he he is is is, i see he's gonna play some like hybrid sort of um like rover type of role or is he that's just what they call their safety but he's it's him and gervin hall as the two safeties so he's gonna start as 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 one of the two deep guys Mm -hmm. okay see i i think bubba bolden to me was I thought he was. I thought he was a stud coming out. I thought he was from like a from a like physically, he was impressive in terms of his athleticism, in terms of like his complete skill set. Like it, it all, 
it all checked out to me. Um, and then he's another one of these guys who's been, you know, he, what was he, he was like suspended or kicked off the team for a minute at USC and then maybe got back on and then he transferred out and then yeah. he, then he missed all last year. So it's like, all right, like where, where are we at this point in the Bubba Bolden experience? Should, are we, should I be on bust alert or is it just a fact that we haven't seen the kid in, yeah. in a few years? And so I am, I am very intrigued there because yes, like that was one of these guys where when you're talking about impact transfers uh, last year, I guess, when he came to Miami and, and I'm just, and I'm sort of asked to, when we're doing our transfer rankings, I mean, Bubba Bolden is a kid that I'm, I'm not, I've, I've done, there's, I have learned nothing to make me think that he right. isn't still a four star, that he isn't still yeah. a future NFL player. And so. Well, no, I mean, he was with the USC thing. He couldn't play the, what was it, David? The first like five games and like they were starting games. They were starting two safeties over him. And it became clear that he was like the guy at safety. And I think he would have been in the starting rotation. And then it was like a freak injury. So I celebrated think on a pick. So he picked off, uh, I forget which Florida state quarterback, but it was in the Florida state game, picked off a pass. He celebrates with Gervin hall and he like lands on Gervin's uh, foot the wrong way and kind of like breaks his leg. But, but I, I I think he's someone who could be like an all ACC player and everyone's gonna be like, Oh, remember when Bubba Bolden was a top 100 talent? Like it's just finally all kind of coming together. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, why, so he's, he's, he's junior as well. Is that right? Redshirt junior, Red, I think. Red, yeah. Oh, Redshirt junior. Okay. Um, all right. And then, so just to kind of hit on them all now, 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 again, you're just throwing names out that I'm interested in. Right. So now, now I want to hear, I want to hear the necessary, <laughs> because that's the next on the list. Like the Nessa Silvera deal is the next on the list, which I was, I was a little bit late to the game on Nessa Silvera. I think I was skeptical of Nessa Silvera in high school for a, a, a large chunk of the process. I want to say when he went to the all American bowl and the week in practice there, was was where I kind of got on board uh, and and then started sort of I got it a little bit and so I, I don't know so 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 fill me in all right so how how what, what's the personally what's the, I flipped from so I'm like the opposite of you right so I was high on Nesta coming out at a high school and I've kind of flipped on that here at the college level just because there are the limitations there, right? In terms yeah. of like size, it's not bad, but it's not like ideal in terms of like length, really like his wings. For sure. He doesn't have the long arms. Um, and he's, he never had like great technique as a pass rusher or he was kind of a one trick pony, just like bull rush. Yeah. And he does run well, like he can run and chase down a quarterback. Well, when he, when he gets through, but yeah he kind of gets swallowed up a little at the college level. Now I will say last year, another injury situation, like he, he broke his foot, I think on the first or second day of camp. And so he had to miss the first month of last season. And from that point, he was just always kind of playing catch up. And he did ball out in one game against Florida state. But again, I mean, what does that mean? Like, Going up yeah. against Florida State's offensive line, I don't know what to take from that. But he played well against them and was kind of a ghost the rest of the season. 
I'll say oh the book. Oh my God, we, we ended up having them top 50. Yeah, no, wow. that's what I'm saying. Like all these guys are basically top 100 recruits that I named. Um, yeah, I, I didn't realize we had them that high. I, I, I wonder, I can't remember when we made. I think it was a weak D tackle year. And I think Ohio State was sniffing yeah. around at the end. Did we make a late move with him? I wonder. Um, uh, Yeah. Maybe because I I feel again, I just was never like that wasn't a guy that I was, I had a a strong conviction about in terms of a high ranking. But I do kind of remember again late in the process being like, all right, I I, I guess I get it now. Like I'm on, all right. Like we can. There's some good things there. Like he does have the motor. And yeah, he's like like a nasty, like, or at least as I remember, he's like a nasty, you know, has an edge, like plays with an edge. Um, but yeah, I, what the way you're describing the the physical limitations, I think like that that was clear in high school as well. And so, I mean, the buzz isn't like super high with him this camp, but he's definitely the start a starter this year, and it, it's kind of make or break for him this year. So, I mean, he's a guy too. I'm I'm interested in finding out what he's about this year too. I'm not like as stoked about him as I would be like Bubba Bolden or quite frankly Mark Pope. So. Yeah. That makes that like hearing your description of where he's at um, is is not surprising um, as as I remember him as a recruit necessarily. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just sort of revisionist history in my head. But that uh, that's the other guys. Like if you're gonna if if you were to tell me uh, of the three guys that that we named up front, um, Nesta, Mark, and and Bubba. I would be, I would probably, like, I would be very surprised if Bubba Bolden was was a bust because I just yeah. think Bubba, he had too many tools. And then Mark Pope, I would have been pretty surprised as well because he was just like, like, like I said, like I described him earlier. Nesta, if you had told me right after signing day, well, that guy's going to be a bust, like, I could, I could, I would probably be understanding of that. And Nesta has the skill set to succeed in this style of defense. So we'll see if if you know he can put it all together but so far i am lukewarm and then the last guy named was jeremiah payton just another receiver i think he was a a top 100 recruit as well in in the 2019 class i guess it was he's a redshirt freshman so yeah like uh, what that was that that is the outlier of the four you asked me in the sense of like i'm not like i'm just sort of as, as i see it like he's just what is he? He's a red. Is, what is he this year? He's a red shirt. Red shirt freshman. Freshman. So he didn't. Even, yeah. He didn't so like, I'm, I don't think he's necessarily off track yet based yeah. on sort of how I viewed him in high school. And, and, and I, he was also one of these guys in, in high school that I didn't, I mean, there's a, here's what people don't understand about the rankings process is like in a lot of ways, the difference between the 15th ranked receiver and the 35th ranked receiver is right. not that significant. Um, it's, it's, and so he was one of those guys that it was that I, 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 I didn't have a lot of conviction on him. And, and I think late, this is another one that sort of later, later in the process, I was sort of like, all right, yeah, he's doing some things that now I, I sort of get what, what y'all are seeing as well. Um, so I'm not, I'm not panicked about about him because I didn't necessarily like think he was a no-brainer day one right. dude, um, but but absolutely has has the ability to get there. Barton, how versed are you in in Miami's schedule? And if if you are, like, what are your thoughts on it? Do you think there's a trap game in there? Is there one game you definitely want to watch or anything? I, I gotta pull it up because. <laughs> The, the schedule situation right now Change. has got my head spinning. Yeah. I, 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 
I, I, I, I will plead to like a certain level of um, ignorance on schedules because, you know, I just haven't, I haven't had been able to wrap my head around like how, how this all has shaped out <laughs> for most it's, teams. It's wild. Yeah. Like ACC starts, SEC starts two weeks later. It's, I don't know. I mean, you go like a, you go and search certain places and they'll just list postponed games. It's like, why are you even listing this? Yeah. I mean, I, I I'll, I'll say that, um, the, the thing like the, the I have team- a question. I know, I know you're a Louisville fan, right? <laughs> so I'm a Scott, I'm I Scott Satterfield believer. That's what I okay. am. What am right. I missing there? And obviously like my snapshot is last year's game against Miami. Cause I don't watch I watch Miami. I don't watch a ton of Louisville week to week, right? Right. And so I saw Miami crush Louisville and their defensive personnel, in my opinion, is kind of average. Um, granted, you know, their offensive skill is is ridiculously talented. So So you saw you saw Miami beat Louisville fifty two to twenty seven in twenty nineteen. Right. Uh, but you didn't but did you see uh, Georgia Tech beat Louisville sixty-six to thirty-one the year before. No. Like that was well, that, that like that was my thing with Louisville. Is okay, yeah, they took a couple lumps, uh, particularly you know Kentucky gave it to them, Miami gave it to them, Clemson gave it to them. But aside from that, I mean, they even gave Notre Dame a good game. Like aside from that, it was more about where they where they went from 2018 to 2019 and I actually like I predicted that they would go to a bowl before the season I because I, I, I thought Scott Satterfield would be able to remedy a lot of the problems pretty quickly based on just purely culture and I thought they had better players than than they you know than the record suggested the year prior but to your point like the big thing I, I have complete confidence that their offense is going to be is going to be really dangerous because I think yeah. Mikel Cunningham is legit. Tutu Atwell, legit. Javion Hawkins, legit. Like they've got, yeah. they've got players. Yeah. And, and I think Scott Satterfield is one of the best offensive coaches in college football. I really believe that. So Agreed. the offense will be good, but yeah, to your point, like the defense kind of sucked last year. And uh, I think that, but I also think that they'll be improved again. I think that, I think Brian Brown's a good defense coordinator. Um, I think that they've got a good coaching staff. And so, I, I, it's more about what does improvement look like. And um, granted, I think that their defense still is going to have some, some issues, but I think it'll be, I just think it's a dangerous team. I just think when you're looking at teams that could, you know, could, could be, give you trouble. I think that's a dangerous one to look at. Um, I'll give you another one though. And just sort of, as I look at the schedule, first of all, uh, UAB as an, um, as an yeah. opener, that ain't dangerous. That's not exactly like your ideal opener in a season like this. No. Um, so, UAB is better than FIU and Louisiana Tech last year. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, that, that could throw a lot of cold water on this whole thing real quick. Yes. Uh, but I think, I think Miami knows that. I think that, so that's, that's maybe it's nice to get them up front because I think Miami knows that. And I, and, you know, I just remember from when I was playing, like whether it was high school or college or, uh, whatever you know, you're, you're, you know, you're all year long. The the name on the wall is the first team you're playing, and so it's yeah. you don't lose focus on that game. Um, but the other the other team that I think is really fascinating to me, and it comes right after Clemson week, is Pitt. Um, yeah. Because Pitt, here's what like they're underrated. Yeah, they because because this is Pat Narduzzi. This is this is what he's wanted. This is what he's been building towards. Like the early in the in the Pat Narduzzi tenure. They, 
they would get they would give up points and they were sort of grinded out on offense and 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 it would it took time to get the personnel to where he could do the stuff he wants to do that he would do it was doing at Michigan State when he had first round draft picks at corner and a bunch of you know badass dudes in the front seven well now he's got a bunch of badass dudes in the front seven he's got a bunch of NFL guys in the back end and so he can do stuff yeah. effectively on defense they were like I'm not sure how many people realize this. I've been saying this and writing this, but Pitt was the yeah. number four defense in the country in terms of yards per play. And the yeah. three ahead of them were Georgia, Clemson, and Ohio State. I mean, that's, yeah. that's ridiculous. And they get almost all those guys back. I know Jalen Twyman is, is opting out, but they have two. So that's three good defensive linemen. And yeah. two starters, basically, that missed almost all of last year yeah. that, that weren't part of that defense. So. I just think Pitt, particularly in second year, Mark Whipple's tenure as an offensive coordinator, Kenny Pickett as a, a veteran quarterback, and I think that they've got some good young talent at uh, at receiver and that are, that might sort of flash this year. That's the one uh, to me that that I kind of look at and I see because again, I'm I'm a big fade Miami after the showcase game guy. Yeah, and yeah. I think Clemson. it's. A, you know, worst case scenario maybe is is either beating or playing Clemson close, and then you got to come back and, and deal with deal with Pitt because those guys they're gonna come in angry. And so that that one to me is a is a game you circle um, as, as kind of the one that jumps out to me as, as as a dangerous spot. Let me put you on the spot. I won't ask you for like your predicted record for Miami, but like what place, like what range would you say? You know, Miami could be fourth, fifth. You know, if if I put you on the spot to rank my where Miami finishes at the end of the year, where would you pick them? Okay, I think I do think Clemson and Notre Dame are the best yeah. two teams in the conference. Um, so the so I think Miami is in this next tier, the the tier of I think North Carolina, Pitt, Virginia Tech. Miami and then I think I think Louisville might be in that mix as well so the the cop out answer is you sort of shake those up in a in a in a bowl yeah. in this pull pull a name out um if you get to sort of hold a, hold my feet to the fire uh I would probably roll and I don't know what I don't know who the the two above them would be but I might just sort of put them pencil them in there somewhere like fifth in the yeah. in the conference but but again I think you're looking at a team with I if Miami is sitting here in the in the ACC championship game at the end of the the season like I'm I'm not going to sit here I'm not going to say like up oh, I didn't I, I didn't have I didn't have a good handle on Miami I, I think they're capable of that I think I think the that is a is yeah I think that is within their their the realm of possibility for this Miami team and and should be a realistic and and an attainable goal but I just there's there's just other teams I have more confidence in. I think Notre Dame, I think Notre Dame is, I think they're rock solid. Like I just think they're so steady. And there's going to be a couple games where they, you know, Miami, Miami. I don't know if Miami has more talent than them or not, but they've got they've got some players that are better than anyone on Notre Dame's team probably. Um, well, with the, with maybe one or two exceptions. And then, but I just think Notre Dame is a lot of the things Miami isn't. Notre Dame is yeah. in terms of. Consistent. The consistency yeah. uh, that they're going to bring week in, week out. Let me ask you one more just season question, then I don't know if Andrew wants to ask you one recruiting thing here and there. But, like, so Miami has Clemson on the schedule, right? Juggernaut, obviously, huge favorite, should be a huge favorite in that game, et cetera. If you're going to give Miami fans, like, one preseason glimmer of hope, 
and just say, okay, I have a question mark about Clemson this year in this regard. What, what would that be? Uh, it would be to me, it's, it's wide receiver. Um, because th- like, think about just, just think about Clemson and what, and how they operated last year. Um, and in the last couple of years, really, it's this sort of gashing defense or I'm sorry, gashing uh, run game with, you know, Travis Etienne just finds a crease and he's gone. And then, They've got this ability to stretch you out vertically on the perimeter with these wide receivers that they can back shoulder fade to that are first round draft picks. T Higgins goes, you know, second round early. Justin Ross, coaches I talked to thought he was better than T Higgins. Now, so Higgins is gone. Justin Ross is gone. Um, I know that Joseph Gata and, and Frank Ladson are step up and, and are very talented in their own right, but I know that like they had some. COVID issues early in preseason. I don't know how, I mean, they're, they're, they're still unknowns. As, as highly as regarded as they are, they're still unknowns. And then I think the thing we saw even from last year from Clemson is they didn't have that um, uh, Hunter Renfro, Adam Humphreys sort of slots space yeah. guy that, that is, is this um, get open safety valve. And Amari Rogers plays that slot position, but he is to me more of a straight line guy, like almost like a jet sweep type of athlete. So I think that there is a question mark with Clemson. And like if, if Trevor Lawrence can't confidently just, just, you know, dial in on those back shoulder fades and like vertical shots every game, then I think that takes that, that, that gives you an opportunity defensively to, to make them play a little bit more uncomfortably. And so, Right. That that's what I'm looking at, and and I, I've been watching a little bit of the Clemson reports, and Brandon Specter um, could could factor in at slot a little bit as maybe that guy. I mean, he's very athletic, um, and and has some of those capabilities to 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 be that guy. And and Frank Ladson and Joseph Gata might might very well become T Higgins and Justin Ross, and then sure. you know everybody's in trouble again. But that is like the most intriguing storyline for me for Clemson and something that I'm going to be watching early on um, because as good as Trevor Lawrence is, I mean, part of the thing that makes him so good is those receivers on the outside sure. that he can throw to. And so um, I'm not worried about a Brent Venables defense. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about the way that defensive front will be even with some of the young guys and, and the secondary is pretty stacked and all those sort of things. I, I just, I think to me, it's, it's the perimeter on offense and you know, what is, how does it reload? Yeah. All right, we, we mentioned recruiting, so I got to get one more. I know you got to get out of here, Barton. Uh, this comes from the Miami fan base. When is Brashard Smith going to get his fourth start? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I guess, you know, when you look at Miami's class, obviously there's two five stars in it, Leonard Taylor and James Williams, and I'm sure you're probably going to have to pull up the commit list, but is there anyone else out there that you – kind of get excited about or you you want to see more from this this season or you think has a chance to maybe potentially move up in the rankings and potentially being the keyword there yeah i mean if i ever get any decent feedback out of our florida staff then bersard smith would already be a four-star probably um no i i the the two guys that jump out um to me are jacoby george and elijah arroyo um and, you know, you know, you know, this Ivan's uh, in terms of Arroyo that, you know, and, and, and George too, like we talked about them, but I, I, I think Arroyo is in a year of, it's not a no brainer year at tight end. Like it's not a bunch of freaks like last year. Um, 
which might legitimately have like four first round draft picks to tight end if, yeah. before it's all said and done. Um, but it, it felt like a, it feels like a fairly deep year at tight end in terms of just like options of guys that could evolve and develop into that. And I thought Elijah Arroyo on film jumped out to me as a guy that could develop, evolve, become that, um, you know, not necessarily that yet, but just what, what the tight end position is right now is a, I mean, it's a receiver. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a big receiver that can, um, you can, can factor into the run game and can, you know, obviously do all the things that, that you need him to do, but like he can, he can create separation and he can catch the ball effectively and he can be a mismatch. Um, mismatch ability is like one of the big, to me, traits at tight end. And Elijah Arroyo to me is a guy that's early in his development physically that has a lot of the traits that we're looking for. And then uh, Jacoby George, just, I just remember rolling through the receivers and looking at a bunch of the receivers and, I just remember Jacoby George. I just felt like he was a really good route runner. I felt like he was a guy that just looks like he can get open. And uh, I, I think that, you know, again, when you're talking about building an offense, adding weapons, um, you know, there's there's nothing that jumps off the like the, the the profile. Like when you're just looking at his just raw, just numbers, height, weight, speed, whatever, like nothing that that just sort of, screams at you in those ways but again when you turn on the film like I, I thought Jacoby George was someone that um that flashed for me all right Barton well uh tell the listeners where they can find your work you said CBS Sports HQ I mean just pl- plug away here yeah CBS Sports HQ how about Thomas Davis too I was just thinking about him that's kind of an interesting one uh a kid out of Lowndes that's sort of a tweener body type but is a kind of a freak athlete that, that'll be an I'm anxious to see some senior film on that one yeah um but uh, anyways, yeah, so Barton Simmons, uh, at Barton Simmons on Twitter, the Barton and Bud is the podcast for 24-7. Cover 3 is the podcast for CBS. Uh, and catch me on the message boards. You can send your hate that way. I'll come, I'll hop, pop on and take my beating here and there. Uh, we appreciate it. Thanks for, having, thanks for joining us again. We know you're busy. Thank yeah. you, Barton. Thanks, guys. It was fun. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2 Kiss the Future new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus go to Paramount Plus to try it free terms apply